Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Man can't even understand his own way in life. Proverbs 20, verse 24, Proverbs 20, 24. Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? It's very profound when God calls his people sheep and he calls himself a shepherd. You know, I have had the unfortunate experience of having sheep for the last 40 years, all right? And for 10 years of those 40 years, I had the even more unfortunate experience of living with those sheep, and taking care of them. Now, and I can tell you, because we had sheep and goats, that compared to goats, sheep are really not smart. (laughs) They're dumb, and they're stubborn, and they have a tremendous capacity to fight when it's over, and they shouldn't be fighting, because they just have this rebellious nature. For example, when you overpower a goat, the goat is reasonable, and the goat says, okay, you win, where are we going? That's a goat, right? I've seen a sheep resist so hard. Have you ever seen Maureen Gallatin here? Ask her how she broke her hand. She broke her hand fighting one of our sheep. Anyway, I've seen a sheep fight so hard that I've seen it fall down in the pen and just die of fright. It just died of fright. Sheep just, they really try your patience. That's why it says in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep, we're all like sheep. We've gone astray. We turned everyone to his own way. We're the sheep. Sheep are an animal that needs a shepherd to survive. You know, when our goats got loose in Lakeside and they ran for the hills, we never saw them again, but they were alive. They joined other goats of other groups, herds of wild goats, and they lived just fine. But when one of our sheep got loose and we couldn't catch up, they died. They died because sheep need a shepherd. That's why the that's why David said in Psalm 23, Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See that? He maketh me, he leadeth me, he restoreth, he leadeth. See, that's what shepherds need. I mean, sheep need. They need the shepherd. That's what we need. Man like the Egyptians in verse 18 needs to stop hiding his need to God, for God, to direct and to guide him through life. He needs God to be a shepherd in life. Now, another common deception, another common lie is people say, I don't need God because I have peace. I'm very, very peaceful. I'm not troubled. I, I go to sleep each night. I sleep like a baby. Nothing bothers me. I'm at peace with myself, with the world around me all is well, I'm at peace. And then they draw the peace symbol, see? 
But the Bible says, the Bible says in Isaiah 57.20, Isaiah 57.20, the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Now, it's, uh, it's true, it's true that some people have really lulled themselves into a state of thinking they're at peace. But God says about them in Psalm 73.18, Psalm 73.18, surely Thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou casteth them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. Think about that. A moment, utterly consumed with terrors. As in a dream, when one awaketh, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. To be in a slippery place is a terrible place. It's terrible because you have this false assurance that the ground is steady and all is secure, but then it's the all of a sudden that comes. It's the all of a sudden that comes. And when that comes, it's described in that Psalm 73 as being cast down into destruction. Psalm 73, 19, it's the, the all of a sudden is described as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. I like to drive. I like, I like driving on Highway 94 beyond uh, Rancho San Diego out to Tecate. It's a beautiful drive. If you haven't done it, you should do it. It's beautiful, especially beyond Hamul there. That's a beautiful drive. It's one of my favorite drives. Another one of my favorite drives is to drive from Tecate into Mexicali. And you go over the, up the top there, Rumorosa, El Longo, where the prison is. Anyway, and you go over a big mountain, and you drop down. The scenery is so beautiful. It's wonderful as you drive along the, the mountain roads, you know, sharp, uh, cliffs, cliff drop-offs on the side. But you know, sometimes I've been driving on those roads and I see the most horrifying sight imaginable. You know what that is? Tire marks. Screeching tire marks right over the side of the hill. Right over the side, right off the side of the road. And when you see that, and I know exactly where they are in Highway 94, because I'm looking at those tire marks and I'm going, oh no, the tire marks go through the street, up over the berm, and no guardrail, right over. And in Rumorosa, where they don't, they can't collect the cars, you stop your car and you look over, you see the car at the bottom on that road. And that's a horrible picture because it emerges in your mind as you're doing that. Somebody was driving, probably like me, enjoying the ride. You know, looking at the beautiful scenery, and then all of a sudden, whatever, dozed off, got distracted, and then there was that moment when they realized, I'm going over the side to my death. And he slams on the brakes, and the tires screech, and it leaves all the mark there, but it's too late. And he goes careening over the side of the road. And all that's left are the tire marks on the road that speak of, in a moment, that terror. And that's the picture here of the person who says, I don't need God because I'm at perfect peace, but there's gonna be that tire marks and that in a moment. There's a peace that the world gives. There is a peace that the world gives, and it's just like this person who's driving his car over the beautiful scenery of the mountain roads, but it's not a lasting peace. It doesn't last. And that's why the Lord called and said, he said that's the peace the world gives in John 14, 27. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. True peace is not found in circumstances. 
True peace is found in the person of the Lord Jesus. That's why it says in Ephesians 2.14, Ephesians 2.14, he is our peace. He is our peace. So a man like the Egyptians in verse 18 needs to not hide his need for God to, so that he can get true peace in life. He needs to have God for peace. Now, then there's those who say, I don't need God because I'm just happy. I'm just satisfied in life. I'm just happy. You know, just like my five-year-old granddaughter, Kate, she's driving in the car with the family and, and everybody's quiet and she just blurts out, I'm so happy. <laughs> of course, there were 10 minutes later that she blurts out, I'm so sad. <laughs> but it's so common for a person to say, I'm so satisfied in life, I don't need God. But the Lord Jesus said to the woman at the well in John 4.13, John 4.13, Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, sir, give me this water that I thirst not. So when the Lord Jesus said that, that whoever drinks of the water in the well, he was likening the water to satisfaction that the world gives, like, he, like after eating a great meal, and I love to eat great meals. There's that just feeling of satisfaction. The only problem is it only lasts until you get hungry again. And so that's what the Lord said, you're gonna thirst again. You're gonna thirst again. He's referring to the satisfaction that the world gives. It's just temporary. It doesn't last long. In another place, the Lord Jesus referred to the world and its satisfaction as meat that spoils, meat that rots, meat that perisheth. He said in John 6, 27, John 6, 27, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Anything that's not everlasting life is a temporary satisfaction. And the Lord Jesus wants to give us permanent satisfaction in life. So that's why he says in John 6.35, John 6.35, Jesus said unto them, I'm the bread of life. He that come to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. So a man like the Egyptians in verse 18 needs to not hide his need for God to give him this true satisfaction for life. Now, as already been mentioned, there are those who say, I don't need God because I have a great family. I have great friends. Whenever I'm lonely, I've always got my family. I've always got my friends. They're ready at hand. Whenever I need a shoulder to cry on, my family and friends are there for me. Whenever I need advice, my family and friends are just a phone call away, day or night. So why do I need God? I don't need God. And that might also apply to a spouse as well. Most, a person could say, I am married to the, my best friend in life, my soulmate. He's everything. She's everything to me. My spouse meets every need in my life, and I don't need God. I don't need God. Well, Job had a great family, too, and he had a wife. Until one day in Job 118, Job 118, it says, while he was yet speaking, there came also another saying, thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young man and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. So he loses all of his children. He loses all of his children, but he's got his wife. 
He's got his wife, right? Well, the wife in Job 2.9, Job 2.9, then said his wife unto him, unto him, dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Great wife. And furthermore, when he looks at his wife, he says about her, he looks to his wife, he looks at her, he says, he, he looks to her, he, he thinks to himself, she'll give me comfort, she'll give me help. I'm, I'm really hurting now. But instead, instead, in Job 19.17, Job 19.17, he says, my breath is strange to my wife. She says, you stink, get away from me. Though I entreated her for the, though I entreated for the children's sake of my own body. Went, okay, but he's got friends. He's got great friends. He's got three friends, right? They come to him. Those are such fair-weather friends that Job said in Job 16.2, Job 16.2, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are ye all. So the Lord Jesus spoke about family. He did. In, in Matthew 10.36, Matthew 10.36, he said, a man's foes shall be they of his own household. See, the trouble with family and friends is that they're like parking meters. You have to keep feeding them with money in order to stay there. <laughs> But there's only one friend that's not like a parking meter, and that's Proverbs 18.24. Proverbs 18.24. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. He's got to keep feeding the meter. And there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's the Lord Jesus. So the Lord Jesus, he's the only friend who's not like the parking meter. And that's why he said in John 15.15, John 15.15, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. James 2.23, James 2.23 speaks about Abraham. It says the scripture was fulfilled, which say, Abraham believed God, it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So man like the Egyptians in verse 18 needs to not hide his need for God to be his friend. Then there's another one, which has also been mentioned, and this is very common, where a person says, I don't need God because I got money. I got plenty of money. My bank account tells me that I can't spend it all in my lifetime, that I've got more than I need for, my, for myself. I made it. I retired early, and now anything I want, I can write a check for. I'm set for life. I don't need God. What do I need God for? God is for the poor people. And that's exactly the state of the rich man in Luke 12, 16. Luke 12, 16 where he spoke a parable unto them, saying the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no more room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns, build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So you notice how he was thinking. His thinking is given to us here. He thinks to himself, what shall I do? I don't have any more room. He thoughts to himself, boy, that's my biggest problem. I don't have enough room to store all my wealth. That's great. I don't really have any problems. The problem was that he was focusing on his bank account on earth, which was overflowing, but he was not focusing on his bank account in heaven, which had a zero balance. And the Lord said that the rich man was rich toward himself, but he wasn't rich toward God. And you can see his focus 
when he looks to the future in verse in Luke 12:18, Luke 12:18, I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, be merry. See, his vision is for the future. You know, where he's going to go on his next vacation and which cruise ships he's going to sign up for and which party he's, he's going to plan on having. And he sees himself, that's life. And he was set for life except for one problem. And God said, it was said to him, thou fool, this night thy soul will be required to be. See, the problem is the delusion that you can gain the world and not lose your soul. But the Lord said, no, that's not true. In, in, in Mark 8, 36, Mark 8, 36, he said, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? See, the problem with riches is that they're temporary. And you look at riches, if you look at riches, then they just fly away. It says that in Proverbs 23, 5. Proverbs 23, 5. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Psalm 49, 16. Psalm 49, 16 says, Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul. Men, men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. Those are pretty sobering words. When it says, when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. But he shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. That's referring to the place of darkness, which is a description for hell that Job just said, in Job 10.22, Job 10.22, it's a land of darkness as darkness itself and of the shadow of death without any order and where the light is as darkness. So man, like the Egyptians in verse 18, needs to not hide his need for God to be his true security. And then there are those who are just obsessed with their health. They're so obsessed with their health, they read every nutritional label. You see them in the store, they're reading every nutritional label on everything. They have a personal trainer. They're constantly exercising. They treat their bodies like a vintage car so that's in the garage where every speck of dust is wiped off and you could eat off the engine. It's so clean. And they say, I'm in great health. I feel great. I go to the doctor often. He tells me my body is in perfect shape. I don't need God. Why do I need God? But reality is, Psalm 90, verse 10, Psalm 90, verse 10, the days of our years are threescore and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscored, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, it is soon cut off and we fly away. When the body begins to break down, health does not go slowly, it flies away. Our bodies are flesh, and flesh is described as in Psalm seventy-eight thirty-nine, Psalm seventy-eight thirty-nine, he remembereth that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. See, what happens to the body is described in Job 14.10, Job 14.10. Man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost, where, and where is he? See, the body wastes away. And it's for the, that, that great health, that great health for that short period of time is described by Job, Job 24.24, 24, Job 24.24. 24. They are exalted for a little while. They are gone and brought low. They are taken out of the way as all over and cut off 
as the tops of the ears of corn. Just a little while, just a short time. What's the solution? The solution to this problem is the eternal life that the Lord Jesus spoke of when he was standing in front of the grave of a dead person. And he said in John eleven twenty five, John eleven twenty five, Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So a man like the Egyptians in verse 18 needs to not hide his need for God to be his true health, his eternal life. Now, 14th life, there are some that say, I have a great reputation in life, and it's all I need. And with my reputation, I don't need God. Like a PhD student one time said, he, he was doing all this work in school at Stanford to get his PhD. And he was wondering if all these, this work and these studies was really worth it. So he went to his professor and he says, what motivates you? What motivates you in life to work so hard? And the professor said, what motivates me in life and why I work so hard is so that I can see my name on the covers of books. That's what he said. That's what motivates me. Well, the Lord Jesus said that instead of having a name on a book, there's something else that's better to have your name in Luke 10, 20, Luke 10, 20. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven in the Lamb's book of life. So a man like the Egyptians in verse 18 needs to not hide his need for God to give him a true reputation of being linked to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last lie that I've got at least is where people say, I'm having too much of a great time in life to need God. I don't need God. I, I'm, I, I, I have pleasures in life. Life for me is like living on the French Riviera. I got it all. What do I need God for? But the Bible shows how Moses made this decision about pleasures. When it says in Hebrews 11.24, Hebrews 11.24, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. See, Moses saw the pleasures are only for a season, and he forsook them. He ran from them. But God has pleasures that will last forever. It says in Psalm 16, Psalm 16, thou wilt show me the path of life. It's a song. You know, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Love the way Fanny Crosby wrote it in her, her hymn, Draw Me Nearer. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend, when I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. So man here, like the Egyptians in verse 18, needs to not hide his need for God to give him true lasting pleasures. So these are just 15, just as by more. 15 common lies that people use to hide the fact they need God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, that, Lord, you have brought us to a point where we, like the Egyptians, so pressed that we've said, we're not going to hide it from you, Lord. We need you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. 
You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 